Episode 180 of the Bev and James Isles Show, an interview with Dr. Greg Wells on how to deal with this moment. Radio team, welcome along to episode 180 of the Bevan James. I'll show you a fortnightly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of exercise so that you can get all the benefits that come alongside it. Where do you start? Podcasting is a funny thing because I imagine a few of you are going to be listening to this in the future, but right now, the day I record this is the 21st of March 2020 when the pandemic is kind of really going crazy. It's a really, really fascinating time right now and on today's show I actually have an interview with I was I was organized an interview with a guy called Dr. Greg Wells who's basically a specialist in all things health basically is the kind of one way to put it and he's released a book recently called Rest, Refocus and Recharge. He's written quite a few books. He's um, just one of those guys who just really knows about health and performance really um, and he kind of contacted me and we we're going to get him on to talk about his book and then we get on and it's today we're in the middle of this crazy time and the conversation didn't really go around where his book was it was really about how to deal with this moment uh, it's obviously a crazy moment and it's hard for me to know what you're going through right now but the interview of Greg is really great he knows his stuff There's some really good advice there and some really good practical things to put in place at this time because to me that's the most important thing about this time is we need to be putting good practical tools in place that look after our emotion that look after our people in our life that help us stay rational through this time they help us to deal with this time because for many of you right now you're having to deal with things you may never have dealt with like for, for unfortunately there's there's the health problems there's loss of jobs, there's insecurity, there's having to work from home, there's what are you going to do for your kids, there's just so many things that pretty much everyone is have to worrying about right now. And I think that's one of the interesting things about this moment is you can guarantee that everyone in your life is thinking about this. Like how often do we experience that where the whole world is consumed with this one stress? It's pretty rare you know I imagine at wartime like in the World War Two, and stuff like that um, so I think a part of it a part of your job right now is to look after yourself and it was interesting I was talking to a runner this morning I was coaching my runners and we've got this lovely guy called Nathan and we were just talking about stuff I've talked about on the show before but just this whole idea of it's really important you prioritize your health first right now and he said yeah but you you feel selfish if you do that and to me that's unselfish if you put your health first. Now, obviously not to the point where you're neglecting your world, but if putting your tools in place first is the most important thing. And for you, hopefully you know what your tools are, and if they're not, listen to the interview of Greg, because I've got some tools in there, and go back to listen to some of my shows, and listen to other podcasts, and read books, and fill your cup up with ways to deal with this time in the healthiest way possible. And it's so important that you put yourself first with your tools because if you don't yourself and your world is going to get a worse version of yourself and you'll deal with this in ways that aren't the wisest way forward your job is to look after yourself because when you look after your health and use good tools both physically and mentally you deal with this time in a much healthier way 
I guarantee you, there's two paths. Imagine two paths right now. If you just kind of respond to this experience in comparison to if you manage your, your tools really well, the two paths are completely different. And we want you to make sure you're walking on that path that's going to be healthy for you. So I'm not going to spend too much time because the interview of Greg is really great and he's got some really great insight in there. So I'm not going to spend too much time talking about what I think. Maybe afterwards I'll give you a couple other things that I think you can do right now. Um, but it's just... This is just so important. So before I do, I just want to say a big thank you to the patrons. The patrons of the show are the people who support me by giving me some of the hard-earned money each time I release the show. And I've got to tell you what, in this moment, like you know, like I'm looking at a at a time where technically I could have six months of no income. I I, I think I'm going to be a fine, and I don't think it's going to be that bad. And and I trust in my ability to work through this time. But I tell you what, my patrons on the show, geez, I really appreciate your support right now. Uh, you helped me do what I'm doing and hopefully the work that I've done over the last 10 years of the show help you to respond to this moment in a much better way. So some of the patrons, when you join, become a patron, you get a cool nickname, Anna Do It Dungy. I know she's she's an amazing woman I know in my life. Now we've got Amanda Coleman-Watson and it's super duper amazing Amanda. Ali Brown, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Priscilla King, Love Me Tender. We've got Elsa uh, Chin Jean, Green, sorry, Chin Green, The Golden One, and Sam Skiggly Wiggly Arms Green. These people all support my show. Um, if you want to support the show, go to bevanjamesisles.com and you can see what I do there. Uh, that's pretty much it. I'm going to get straight in the interview with Dr. Greg Wells. Here it is right now. Right, team, I'm pretty happy to have on the show today a man by the name of Dr. Greg Wells. He's the author of many books. He's had some pretty amazing experiences around triathlon and just kind of challenging experiences in his life. And he's recently brought out a book called Reset, I'm oh, sorry, Rest, Refocus and Recharge. And welcome to the show. So good to have you. Uh, have me on the show, buddy. I really appreciate it in these crazy times. Like, I just, I'm so happy to chat and talk about training and just uh, just throw some ideas around. So really appreciate it. This is awesome. It's funny. We just got on the call with Greg just a few seconds ago, and he was saying he was meant to be at home doing the interview, but the kids are driving him crazy. So he's, he's, <laughs> yeah, out, he's, out, he's out in the middle of nowhere walking around <laughs> doing an interview while going for a walk. It, it, you know, like obviously yeah. podcasting is an interesting thing because people will often listen to this in the future. But if you do listen to this in the future, we're right in the, in the middle of the coronavirus. And so it's a really interesting time right now. And I suppose just on a personal level, how is it affecting you? Um, you know, good question. So radical transparency. Um, I'm in Toronto, Canada. So, you know, so far it hasn't been too bad. We are asked to socially isolate. So we're not supposed to be, you know, close to anyone that's not in your immediate family. Um, we've, you know, schools are shut down. Um, I do believe that we will probably end up in, um, what is it, shelter in place soon, which is, you know, confined to home. So I'm just outside getting as much outside time as I can. Um, so as of like Friday of last week, I had a thriving speaking business, a thriving coaching business. My books were, you know, selling like crazy. It was like flying all over the world. Um, and it was incredible. It was, uh, you know, a dream come true. By Monday morning, uh, 100% of my business had evaporated. So, and my wife's a chiropractor. And so she, um, her clinic shut down. So we went from being like rocking to um, zero. So it's been an insane week, um, but I've, I've wanted to pivot to digital for quite some time now. So 
funny enough, like by, by Monday at noon, I was like, all right, you know, I had my pity, pity time. Let's, um, let's make some coffee. Let's, let's make this, let's figure this out. And, um, I, I got my team together. I'm like, all right guys. So guess what, what was going to happen this year is now going to happen this week. And we're converting our entire company to digital. And so we've moved everything to online courses. We've recorded audio, we've recorded video, we've written articles, we created, you know, moved all of our tools to PDFs and we became a digital company overnight. And, um, you know, it's fr- it's 5 PM in Toronto on a Friday afternoon. The business is back up and running. I've got, you know, clients that are super excited to be able to continue to do stuff, but virtually. And, um, I think we've saved it. So it's been an insane week, but, um, yeah, it's uh, it's just it's just bonkers. So let, let, let's dig into this. So, um, can you talk to me about your thinking process? Now, not necessarily the problem solving of the business, but what you yep. work through within your own mind, because you woke up in a place which potentially is pretty scary um, and unknown. Because that's one of the problems of this moment we're in right now is there's no certainty. Like we all know, three years from now, life's going to be pretty much back to normal. But unless in yeah. the, the short term, six months to a year, it's very uncertain about what's going to be the case. So, what was your thinking? You know, because obviously you do a lot of work around thinking. So, what was your thinking process <laughs> internally? as you worked through this week yeah really good question and so you know I go back I was when I was 15 I broke my neck and came back from a broken neck and in 2012 had a heart infection that hospitalized me and you know I came back from that to do an Ironman Uh, so this is this bizarre pattern that's sort of emerging in my life so what happened was you know Friday I see things evaporating on the weekend things are literally getting worse around the world by like every half hour there's some new announcement so um by sunday i'm like i'm turning off all media this isn't helping yeah uh we we sort of knew judith and i that uh her clinic was going to get closed down like obviously you're not going to be in close proximity touching people for the next little while so you know she she went in and and just did as many treatments as she could just to get um, her patients dealt with and then uh came home and then we sort of sat down like all right what are we going to do and so the first thing we did was, um, you know, by, by Monday night, I was like, what can I control and what can I not control? So I think the first thing I did was I started eliminating any sort of inputs to my, and I apologize for the wind, um, any sort of in, any sort of inputs to my psychology that I was not choosing. So I basically stopped going on social media. I, you know, checked up news morning and night, but like very briefly so I could think without being distracted by the audience stuff that I could not control, which is what's going on externally. So radical focus just on what can I control? And then Judith and I sat down on Monday night and we're like, all right, so we're both just went from like good incomes to zero. Mm -hmm. And so what are we going to do? Well, we're going to eliminate every expense we possibly can. So everything that is not like mission critical is being ended right now, which is actually kind of fun. Mm -hmm. Like I like, the fact that I have freedom to do whatever I want, but it was nice to sort of clean house. Like all my magazine subscriptions are gone. Um, you know, like just as a micro level. And when you add all of that stuff up, you're like, wow, that's a lot of like cash flow that was going out every month, which we eliminated. So that was really good. Um, you know, super, unfortunately, like hard decisions have to be made. It wasn't an easy process. And there were some decisions, which I won't get into, but you know, hard, hard, hard decisions that we made as a, as a family. Um, and then we've just sort of gone into lockdown. Like Judith's like, okay, cool. So we're homeschooling the kids for the rest of the year. 
Um, we're going to train first thing in the morning before the sun comes up. And we just went into, uh, you know, so what we could control as a family. I think the financial stuff, we sort of eliminated all of the superfluous anything that we had to make sure that we would be able to, you know, survive indefinitely on, you know, what we had, what we had saved up. And then just like, look, I got the family, I got the home, you go rebuild your business. And um, that sort of divide and conquer thing freed me up so that I can, without guilt, spend, you know, 14 hours a day up in my office, just jamming away on leading my team through a, a total overhaul of the company. And here we are on Friday night, the kids are healthy, happy, Judith's healthy and happy, everyone's like chill, and you know, the business is coming back to life. So it was sort of a pattern of like, holy smokes, fear, elimination of all distractions, pull back to essentials, uh, chart a new course, and then go all in on that new course. And that's basically what we did this week. And it seems to have worked really well. I know that this has had like nothing to do with what, with what we planned to talk about on this call, but I think it's it's hyper relevant right now because everyone's going to go through this. And I think you can apply the same pattern to like a health challenge. Um, you know, let's say you lose your job, same sort of thing. Let's say you choose to do an Ironman, same sort of thing. Um, this is just a, a pattern that I think that we can apply to all of our lives and um, pretty wild to be doing it and talking about it already. Well, as you identified there, it's a stress strategy, isn't it? You know, and, and obviously we're experiencing the extreme of stress. And, and what's really interesting right now is that the whole world is kind of in the same place. So kind of everyone you're in contact with is experiencing this level. Um, but it's, it's the, how do you deal with it is the key, isn't it? It's, we're all, and, and, and while we are in the most extreme moment right now, we all experience stress every day of our lives, you know, right. and, and now this is where you need to go to the extreme level of the tools you're going to use, <clears throat> but there's yeah. real, real value in learning the lessons. Oh, like I was t coaching one of my runners this morning and, uh, and we were saying, well, you can use this as an opportunity to have better tools for stress moving forward after this moment. Cause you, you yeah. know, you're going to experience some high stress right now. So you're either going to do it really poorly or you're going to do it in a way that actually helps you calmly move through this time. And, if, if, you know, we think about where's the opportunity in this. Well, that's one of pretty good opportunity, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And it, I think you're you're right. Like we all experience stress all the time. Um, we can choose to respond to that stress, or we can choose to react to it. And I've been sort of teaching that for a long time, but it's you know kind of ironic that now I'm having to do it myself. And so the danger is when you're faced with a threat whatever that threat happens to be, um, you're in the middle of a race and it's not going well, you hit the wall in a marathon with, you know, 6K to go, your business gets hit, a family member gets sick, like something of that nature, a threat happens to you. Physiologically, you're going to have a response. And the response is designed to enable you to perform at a high level physiologically because you know, we're like from an evolutionary perspective, you're threatened, you've got to fight or run, right? So we're, but in our world, you can't run away from a bad, um, you know, job performance review with your boss. Like you're not running out of the room if you get that, but you still feel, feel it the same way as if you're faced with a saber toothed tiger. So we're anxious, we're stressed, we're tight, our muscles tighten up, we feel sick to our stomachs, our brains start racing. And so we have that physiologic response, the challenge, because that does not serve us in this world, unless you need to run, which, you know, generally we don't in a threatening moment, uh, the challenge is for us to actually respond instead of react. And so in order to do that, we've just got to create some space and time between the threat so that you have enough time to chart a course forwards that is positive 
and under your control. And I think that that is a simple thing that we can do. So whether that's like three breaths just to, you know, compose yourself before you respond, um, whether that's taking an hour to go for a walk, like as I'm doing right now, just to get away from, <laughs> I love, I, I love my children, but like, I just need to get out of the house. Um, like that when we create space and time that enables us to shift from reacting to stress uh, into a, a response where we can take control and really that's the game, right? Is it like control what you can control and what you cannot control, we need to not worry about. We need to, although there's a lot of that happening right now, I would challenge everyone listening and whether it's now, you know, it's hyper relevant in the news at the moment or if you're listening to this in a year from now, it's just all about that, you know, what can we control and um, eliminating, you know, worrying about stuff that you cannot control and that's really the game. And, and so what you're saying there is, is identify when you start to feel like you're going out of control, create some kind of pause moment to re realign yourself, to give yourself the space to do the work that will help you move through this. 100%. Like, even if you just think about, like, if we take it back to running for a second, imagine you're doing a marathon, it's, you know, you're 18 kilometers in, or let's say 36 kilometers in, right? You're a long way in and you're dying. Like, your muscles are seizing up, everything's cramping. You can just keep pushing and get into that. Oh my God, I've still got 6K to go. Like, what am I going to do? I've trained all this time. I'm not hitting my target. Like, that's all the, the, the chatter that can go into your brain. Or you can slow down. You can reset your posture. You can hold your technique. You can recover and regenerate. You can take a few breaths, maybe walk through an aid station, get some water on board, drink or eat some carbohydrates to refuel your muscles. And in that moment where maybe you take five minutes to chill out and you have one slow kilometer, that's enough for you to reset so that you can slowly build yourself back up and actually run across the finish line. And, and that's just a slightly different approach. That's like a, a respond versus react type um, example, just purely from running. And I think that that's a good analogy for us to use in our life. So I'm so excited about, you know, people being involved in sports and my kids being involved in sports because the lessons that we learn, I mean, marathons are just for fun, like unless you're making a living off of it. Um, you know, we participate in sports because they make us feel good. It's fun, um, but it's not life or death. And so we want to be taking lessons from sports to apply to the rest of our lives to make sure that our lives get better because we are marathoners, you know, because we are triathletes, because we are swimmers. And I think that's really, really cool thing about participating in sports and what we can learn from it. It's interesting, actually, as you, as you were saying that, I, I thought of a really great example of that. I interviewed Chris McCormick when he won Ironman, the last world championship, the last time. Yeah. And it was a really interesting race because Andreas Raylert was catching him very fast with about 10K to go. And he was, he was basically kind of gone too fast early in the run and he was blowing up. And then the guy who's the fastest runner in the sport at that moment, catching him like putting, you know, 20 seconds of K on him. And in that interview, he said exactly what you said there. He said, stop myself. He said, I said, Maka, slow down a second. Just take a moment. Think about what you've got to do. Wait for him. He's going to catch you. Wait for him to catch you. And then create a plan. And, and he, went, he goes on and wins the race. And, and you could argue, well, I think we, it's pretty obvious that the reason he won that race is he took that moment. He wasn't reactive to the fact that Andreas is catching him. He was yeah. took a moment to do that process you just talked about there. And then, so when, the, when he had to go to that next level again, he had the ability and he had actually pre-planned it, hadn't he? Yeah, so I think that's a skill and a practice that, 
um, athletes drill into themselves so that when it does come to time, you know, you're at Ironman World Championships, you've got 10K to go, you've been training for 10 years for this moment, um, things are going off the rails, a competitor is pushing you to your absolute limits, there's a moment when you either respond or react, mm-hmm. and the game is not to react and panic and go into fear. The game mm-hmm. is to uh, you know, let that lean into lean into the fear, which is a kind of a wild idea, um, lean into the anxiety, let it wash over you, and then come out the other side uh, so that you can actually respond, you can do what you need to do, you can take action, you can move in the direction that you need to without tension and in a relaxed, confident, strong way. And that's what the whole world needs to do right now. One thing that's a little bit different to the athletic performance in regards to the athlete versus where we are right now is that when someone signs up for an Ironman or a marathon, they're choosing to, to go into that situation. So they're choosing to put themselves in a place where they're going to face adversity and, you know, and they have to show that kind of, if they want to discover how they're going to be in that moment. Whereas right now we're, we're kind of, it's forced upon us. And so yeah. is there a difference in how you treat it or is it still just the same strategy? Well, it's the same strategy, but I think that you're absolutely correct. And it is important to note that this has been thrust upon us. This is not of our own choosing and that we, um, and you know, there are moments in life where you are confronted with challenges that are not of your own making, you know, maybe, family member gets sick maybe there's a pandemic um you know which would have been a ridiculous statement um even like four days ago a family member gets sick pandemic um you get fired from your job uh you know whatever it happens to be and so there are things that we can control and things we cannot control and so when things are out of our control we still have to deal with them and the challenge there is to do is what my colleague uh, Ron Tite, who's a, a business consultant, says. He says what you actually can control is what you think, say, and do. And so, when we understand that you know everything is basically what you think, what is going on in, inside your own brain, uh, what you say, what comes out of your mouth, and what your actions are, that is literally all that you can control. We cannot control what other people say. We can't control what other people think. We can't control what other people do. All we can do is take care of our own actions, our own thoughts, and our own uh, words, which then leads to the ability to control your emotions. And so that, I think, is a really powerful idea for people, is that regardless of whether we are faced with a challenge of our own making, signing up for an Ironman, uh, or a challenge that is not of our own making, family member gets sick, how we respond to that via the strategy of think, say, do, which is the title of Ron's book, if anyone wants to dig into that a little bit further, uh, I think that really helps us to understand, like, what is it that we can do? So, you know, Judith and I this week decided that we were going to be very positive in the way that we were speaking around our children. We were going to be transparent, explain everything that's going on. And they're like, okay, cool. Because now my five-year-old, you know, he was like, daddy, I I need to spend time with you. I was like, well, Adam, uh, you know, the world has, this is happening around the world. Have you heard of it? Yes okay, cool. Well, daddy's business has been affected. I'm going to need to spend a lot of my time in my office upstairs and it can't be interrupted because I got a lot of work to do so I can rebuild the business. He goes, okay. So like, as soon as we explained it to him words, uh, he was able to be, you know, pretty cool with it, which was kind of interesting. So, 
it's that whole think, say, do to enable us to control what we can control in an environment that we may or may not be, you know, we, we may, may, we may not be in control of the macro situation, but we can certainly control the micro situation. Well, one thing that I live in Christchurch in New Zealand and, and about 10 years ago, we had some pretty horrific earthquakes here. And, and one of the real beautiful things that came out of the earthquakes was how the, it brought connection back to people. Um, you know, that uh, it, was, it was unbelievable. You go to the supermarket and everyone was talking, you know, you know, in a world where everyone's looking at their phones, it was the total opposite, and it was kind of it really showed the beautiful side of humanity. This issue is a different issue because the isolation, you know, and, yeah. and so you know we're all having to disconnect with our world. So I suppose a question for you in this moment is, in regards to people contact for yourself, and who should you try to be for other people at this moment? Right, so that's a really powerful question, and I know that we are socially isolated right now and i would encourage everyone like whether this is now you're listening to this right now in the middle of this pandemic or you're listening to this in a year or two years um we all experience social isolation and whether it's acute like right now or a bit more chronic like if um you know teenagers are stuck at home and they're scrolling through instagram and they don't feel like they're connected to anyone like this is not a new new feeling for people and so although we are socially isolated i encourage people to be emotionally connected and so, for example, my kids FaceTime my mom and dad every single night right now. They weren't doing that before. They are doing it now because I know that my mom and dad are, they're pretty intense people. And so for them, you know, to sit in their condo, that is not going to go well for very long. So I'm trying to keep them entertained by connecting them to the grandkids every single night on, on FaceTime. So emotional connection, even though we are socially isolated. Uh, my friends and I, who I've trained with since I was a kid, I was a, a competitive swimmer growing up, and there's a group of us that swam together that actually are remarkably 30 years later all sort of living in the same neighborhood. Uh, we get on our trainers in the morning at 6.30, and uh, you know we set up Google Hangouts, and we all go on Zwift, and we trash talk each other. And so even though we are physically isolated, we are emotionally connected. Uh, emotionally connected because, you know, we're... Um, trash talking each other through Google Hangouts. Yeah. Uh, and so I, and it's funny, you know, in this time where we are totally isolated this week, I've just been, I've been chatting to people on zoom. I've been doing calls with people, lots of text messaging. It's just like you said, uh, you know, may have happened after the earthquakes in, in Christchurch. It's a, it's a chance for us to understand what really does matter to us now that we've been had it taken away. It's a chance for us to connect via whatever technology that we have. I think that's the good thing about technology. There was so much uh, noise around the negative side of social media recently. Well, you know what? Right now, it's just all about connection, connection, connection. And I think that we can actually start to better understand how to use technology to enhance our lives and make it better and to connect us to more people um, rather than using it as a sort of passively consuming it and comparing ourselves to other or having that fears, fear of missing out or you know, being frustrated that your friends are all out on vacation yet again on Facebook, right? So yeah. um, I think it's an opportunity to shift from social isolation to emotional connection. I'd love everyone to try to do that. And, and, and I think to add on top of that is what we also want to do is to understand the importance of that right now. You know, and, yeah. and like, because I, I, I've only just met you, agree, but I get the feeling you're quite a social soul uh, and a lot like me. You know, we, we, we are the people who are naturally going to just kind of need people in our lives. But also yeah. for the person who's listening to that who maybe isn't that way inclined naturally. Um, right. You, you know, just the important to prioritize this in right now because often the biggest problem for people is when they struggle, they isolate. 
um, you know, and if, yeah. if, you, if you're struggling emotionally right now and, and you kind of physically have to isolate, then it does take a conscious effort to actually make sure you are putting people in. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting, the, um, the language that's being used in the media right now uh, mirrors the language that's used, the words that are used to describe uh, depression. Okay. And so, you know, so as a, as a world right now, we're being forced to experience what a lot of people who struggle with mental health experience on a daily basis. And so I think it's incumbent upon all of us to do a number of different things. I think that we all need to renew our efforts on taking care of ourselves. I know a lot of athletes listen to your show. So, you know, you're probably, I'm preaching to the choir already, but I think we need to renew our attention to sleep. I think we need to sleep really well right now and take care of that because if you sleep well, then everything else sort of cascades from that point. So going to bed at the same time, uh, you know, not binge watching Netflix until two o'clock in the morning. Uh, this is not the time to start drinking a lot of alcohol, which, you know, destroys your ability to sleep. You don't recover. I think it's a, a time for us to renew our efforts on eating healthy food because, uh, you know, we may actually have time to eat really good food and make really good food, given that we are going to be isolated more than we probably have been. And uh, like, I don't have to commute to and from work anymore. So that's, you know, hour a day that I just got back that I can spend on eating with my family. I think whether we are, um, you know, isolated or taking some time outside, like going for a walk and sort of sitting in trees right now, like I'm doing, getting some exercise, I think is massive for us and continuing to practice our mindset through meditation and, and mindful and mindfulness. So uh, I think now is the time for all of us to use this moment that we have where we are being asked to distance ourselves socially and maybe stay at home more than we have been and, uh, you know, not necessarily go to work, but to work from home. Like we have some time, we're with our families. We can actually take advantage of this and do a little bit better in all of all areas around taking care of ourselves. So we don't get into a situation where our mental health begins to suffer too much. And for anyone that does struggle with mental health, you're not alone. One in five uh, people in the Western developed world so that's canada the us uk australia new zealand one in five people in all of those countries will access the medical system at some point because of a mental health related challenge that's depression and anxiety you are not alone so connect with people ask for help you know do a skype call with friends facetime people flip a few text messages out see what comes back at you and um you know we just build positivity and Make sure that there's people around you that are making your life better. And even if it's virtually, it still will make a difference. One question I've got for you, which is very applicable to the time. Um, I'm sure you read Charles Duhigg's um, Power, Power of Habit. Uh, and he yeah. talks about how time of change is often a really uh, can be quite an influential time. And, and many people can make mistakes at that time because they set up bad habits. Now, for a lot of yeah. people right now, because their routine's been just whipped out like, you know, like a met underneath their feet instantly you know a lot of people just you know because routine does help and suddenly all this you know majority of the world who don't work from home and suddenly have to work home what's your advice around that because that's that's a pretty you know because your book is about refocus and setting and charge you know like how do you stay yeah. focused and, and what for someone who's going into an environment even though it is their home but because I, I i once wrote a piece a few years ago around um, don't buy exercise equipment for home unless you're a, a really good exerciser because home is designed for comfort, right. not exercise. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, And so homes generally for most people isn't designed for work. So in regards right. to this moment where their routine has just been thrown out of the way, what would be your advice about how to navigate this time in a way where 
they do feel they're not just wasting their life or, or they are productive or they are feeling good about satisfied at the end of their day? Yeah, really cool question. So like our lives have been sort of thrown up. We can reset from absolute scratch. You're not beholden to all of the schedules that we normally keep. My kids are out of school. I'm not required to go to a presentation. I can do it from home. Like everything has been sort of free and clear now. People have a clean slate to build from. I actually think it's a really exciting time. And back to the book that you mentioned, um, Charles Duhigg's The Power of Habit, great book for everyone, even if you only read the opening two, par- two chapters. Um, you know, He speaks about the fact that we need routine, we need habits because it saves us energy. Anything that can be automated should be automated um, so we can direct energy towards learning new tasks or actual performance. So we don't think about walking anymore, but when we were learning how to walk, it was very, very powerful for us. We often don't think about the route that we take driving to work it's automated and that's why you can daydream during that time. Not that that's necessarily a good thing, but just as examples. Mm. And so now that we've got a totally clean slate, we can start from scratch. You can actually build that morning exercise routine into your day because guess what? You're not having to race in and, and commute. You can build in the habit of eating that um, or you know, setting yourself up to have that incredibly healthy, nutrient-dense shake to start your day. Uh, there's all sorts of new routines that, and habits that you can build in. Now, there's a period of time that was required to install a new habit. Re- research from the University College of London suggests it's anywhere from 20 to 120 days to install a new habit, average being 66. And so we push as much energy as possible into installing that new habit in this time. You know, By the time that we're through and things start to get a little bit better, we're probably going to be two to three months from now. So you've got a window of opportunity to build in that new that new habit and strategy. So I recommend, I've been, have speak, been speaking a lot about the idea of the power of 1% and, you know, sort of thinking about 1% improvements, which is, one, you know, 1% of your day is 15 minutes. If you can do 15 minutes of your day and just slightly change a little tiny bit every single day and get better, 1% at a time, compounded over time, we end up with this massive, incredible, uh, positive outcome for us. I think if you do 1% better uh, for a year, you end up with a factor of 38-fold improvement in whatever variable it is that you're trying to trying to work on. So imagine if you get like improve your fitness by a factor of like 38 or you can improve your health 38-fold. It would just be like mind-blowing. Mm. And a, like a powerful research example of that is if you do 15 minutes of walking a day, you reduce your risk of breast cancer and colon cancer 24 to 40%, but it has to be done every day. And so it's that consistency that matters. And so this is our opportunity. We've got a lot of things that have been taken off our plate. I know there's a lot of noise in the media that's trying to capture your attention so that they can sell us ads. And of course, we want to stay up to date on the latest news to make sure that we're safe and all sorts of things. But just be careful that we control what you're consuming, where your attention goes, so you can can direct your mental energy towards making your life better right now, get healthier get stronger, get fitter, um, you know, clean out your life, get rid of the things that you weren't necessarily wanting to do before. Because if we do that, I think we can all end up actually, uh, hopefully as many of us as possible can get through this next phase uh, and get out the other side and actually be in a better position than we were to begin with. 
and that, I think it's a really important thing to remember because, like, you know, one, in Christchurch, because we had the shootings last year as well, and one of the fee- feedback we're getting in Christchurch right now is in New Zealand, Christchurch is handling this the best. And it makes nice. sense because we've gone through two massive events in the last 10 years. Um, and the thing I've learned from both of the events was my life got better from them. You know? Wow. Yeah, totally, totally. Like the earthquakes, my career got thrown upside down, but I had to problem solve through it. And um, and I came out the other side and it was actually really good for my career. Um, the shootings, which were horrific, but it, it, it actually, if anything, it showed more acceptance and openness and love for people. Um, so, you know, like while in the moment you, you, you can't see that, but trust that there is value in this time. Yeah, I think that that's important as well. I mean, horrific events such as this, then let's not minimize the people that are sick and struggling and the people that will become sick and struggling and you know, people that you know, may have a, a loved one who gets sick and hopefully not lose someone yeah. uh, that, you, that you care about. Um, you know, there is going to be a lot of pain over the next little while, um, but we need to learn from this opportunity uh, or we need to learn from this situation so that we take advantage of any opportunities that might exist for us. Even if it's that, even if it's as little as just being grateful for your health. Mm. Imagine if we could all just be um, wake up every morning and be like, you know what? All the people that I love are alive. Therefore, today is a great day. Rather than being caught up in anxiety and depression and burnout, like I bet so many people listening to this show maybe were even four or five days ago. Mm. There's an incredible power in gratitude that I think that can. I, I know can make a huge difference for all of us. Gratitude journaling is an amazing tool for us to use to get your attention directed towards the things in your life that you are grateful for, rather than thinking about the things that you maybe do not have. And it's often these crisis moments where we actually get reminded of the things that we do have rather than worrying about all of the stuff that we do not have. So there's a power in connection. There's a power in, family there's a power in your friends there's a power in your health there's a power in the ability to exercise like all of these incredible things that we can still do even if it's doing a yoga class in your tv you know in front of your tv in the living room so i think that if we all look into and explore and practice this gratitude idea and maybe even do gratitude journaling five bullet points at the end of every day written down in a paper and pen uh scenario just to bring your attention back to the things that we should be grateful for in a moment when you know many people are unfortunately and tragically losing um, some things in terms of their health that I think that this is a, a moment when we can actually you know re- reset our thinking towards uh, greater appreciation for just how lucky the vast majority of us are most of the time. Craig, I, I don't want to take too much more of your time, and I, and I think what we'll do is we'll get you back on the show in like three months from now because we haven't even touched yeah. on. I know. You know like, we'll try again. We'll, we'll talk about the book some other time. Well, yeah, and, and you know, I'm, I'm sure lots of people go to. I'm sure lots of people go to your website based on our conversation because you've been yeah. really valuable. Just anything else you want to add? Yeah, I think that you know, probably the biggest thing I've been thinking about over the last few days is. Um, there's a couple of things that really resonated with me through this point in time. Uh, this week, you know, we went from full on panic on Monday to, you know, now it's Friday and I'm looking at my kids and I can actually see them uh, off in the distance. They're outside. So hopefully they don't see me over here. <laughs> I'll go see them in a second. But, um, 
I just watched them kind of settle in and relax and be resilient and love the moment no matter what. Like whether they're mm -hmm. doing, you know, front rolls on mats in the living room or they're outside running around. Um, you know what? They're healthy and happy and that's just that's really cool. And I think we all need to just sort of bring our attention back to the stuff that we we love in our lives. The second thing that's made all the difference in the world for me is um is training every day. So I've still been running, still been cycling, can't swim right now, which is killing me. Um it's still cold here in Canada, so I haven't been out on the paddleboard yet, but that's coming soon. Might throw on the wetsuit and head out there tomorrow regardless. And so the training has made all the difference in terms of my mental health and getting through this and giving me something that no matter how I'm feeling, when I get on the bike, when I get on the treadmill, when I run and I hammer for an hour, I come out the other side and feel absolutely spectacular. So, you know, the community that you've built because I've been checking you, checking you out online and looking a little bit into more of what you're doing and the support that you give to people to be able to exercise and do so in a way that's healthy and strategic and making us better. And we're so appreciative of our, of our coaches. And so, you know, thanks for what you do and all the people listening, like get out there, go for a run, go for a bike ride. And uh, I can't wait to try this again in a few months and we'll talk about something other than this pandemic. But I actually think there's a lot of great takeaways. So, oh, no, this yeah, is... hope I've been a, hope I've been in a service. No, you've been you've been absolutely just just give yourself a plug. Um, the book is called Rest, Refocus, Recharge. Yeah. Um, website. Just t tell us about your world. Yeah, sure. Apparently, so, apparently, uh, apparently it's gone really digital lately. Yeah. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Funny enough, it's available on PDF and audiobook soon. Um, so yeah, I'm an exercise physiologist. I work with Canadian Olympic team for almost 20 years. Uh, I've been writing books for about 10 years now. The first one was called Super Bodies. It was all about the science of world-class performance. Uh, second one was called The Ripple Effect, which is about eat, sleep, move, think better, just a general health book. Um, and the latest one is rest, refocus, recharge, which is just all about, you know, any athlete knows that when you taper, you get better. So it's sort of like tapering applied to your entire life, including your brains that you can learn better, be more creative and to really enjoy life at the absolute limits of what we're capable of. So yeah, check it out on my website, drgregwells.com. Uh, and all my social is Dr. Greg Wells. So connect with me and flip me a question. I'd love to, I will answer every single person that gets in touch with me. Oh, um, I'll definitely put a link to those in all the show notes. Um, again, it wasn't really where we were meant to be going, but I think what you <laughs> no. offered today was really, really valuable. And I'm sure everyone listening will take some really important tips from there. And, and guys, the key to anything is application. So, you know, make sure you apply some of the lessons that Greg's taught us today. Thank you so much for your time. Go back and hang out with your kids. And I really Thanks, appreciate buddy. your time. And we'll definitely get you back on the show oh, a few man. months from now. Sounds good. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for connecting me to your audience. I hope I've been of service and um, thanks for all you do. Hopefully you guys got a lot from there. Obviously, Griggs, I love when you speak to people who just know this stuff, you know, and have, have spent a life and a career knowing this stuff. And, uh, you know, so hopefully you apply think about and apply some of this stuff i just thought i'd just share a couple of things that how i'm dealing with this time because like all of us there's uncertainty in this time there's vulnerability in this time um and so i just thought i'd share just a couple of things that i'm doing first of all i'm being diligent with my tools um i make sure i meditate every day i'm journaling every night i'm playing my piano i'm exercising i'm, I'm just doing the things that emotionally look after my myself and my life I'm, it's to me it's the most important thing Second thing I'm I've doing is I'm choosing some key people in my life who I'm making a really important, a really conscious choice to look after them. Um, 
just some friends, some people, just, you know, like as a friend, I'm, I'm not the kind of friend who will text you every day just to kind of chit-chat. I'm kind of, I'll catch up for you occasionally and when we do, it's a really good time. Um, but I'm just trying to get be a bit more present in my friends' lives and just let them know I'm there. You know, I've just, and, and I'm not trying to do it to the whole world. Um, I'm And I'm in a very privileged position in my life where I have a big community of people. Um, and so there's lots of people who I can, I'm in touch with. But when it comes to deeper friendships, there's, there's kind of a few that I'm just keeping a look after. Um, my wife being one of them. Um, some of my friends, some people who I know will be a bit more vulnerable through this time. So I'm just trying to be more present in their life. Thirdly, um, as a leader, I, 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 I want people to feel calm and relaxed and to know that someone's looking after them. So I think of my running group right now, like it was interesting, my wife Jo and I, we're keeping our running group going. And we've got a better, at the moment, we've got a group of about 200 people. Um, we've managed it in a way, so they turned up this morning, we made sure they keep social distances before they did the run. We distributed the runners slowly so they could all kind of spread out as they went on their run. And, and we kept, in New Zealand, I don't know where you listen to this overseas, New Zealand's managed this very well. So we are still allowed to have groups of people together. This may change. And Joe and I are thinking of strategies that will help us change around that. But I, as much as um, I'm not a very religious person, I'm just not, it's just the way I am. But I often think of the priest. And I think of the priest as their job is to look after their community. And I'm not trying to spread a, a um, religious philosophy to my runners. But Joe and I, to our runners, are really important people. Because what we do is we provide a time in their life which is good for them, which um, is healthy for them, which is important for their sense of esteem, for their mental health. We provide a really valuable thing. And, it, and, and a lot of it has nothing to do with running. And as Joe and I got in the car today and we kind of, we, we go out and we drive and we set up the course and stuff, getting ready for the run. Joe just said to me, okay, let's be the great thing in someone's day. And as a leader of other people, and I'm very fortunate in my life to be a leader of other people, is I need to understand my role. And my role right now is to be that rock. My role is to be a rock where people come along, they feel safe. For example, today, normally when we gather before a run, there's this massive group of people. It's really cool, lots of energy. We did it completely different today in a way which people will turn up and they go, oh, well, they've looked after us. We made areas so you could have small clumps of people where they were keeping that social distance from each other. We thought of these things because we needed them to turn up and go, these people are looking after us. These people are making it safe for us. So as a leader, I understand my role is to keep the thing that helps, that I provide to these people, keep it in place as much as I possibly can, but do it in a way which makes them feel safe and in good hands. If you are a leader, and I wrote this for Les Mills instructors recently, one thing that's really important is sometimes the leader forgets to look after themselves. And there's a great lady called Celia, I can't remember her name, but her last name, Celia... She wrote a book in New Zealand, which is a really great book about looking after teenage boys. And she died young because she hadn't looked after her health. And she said to us, and she wrote this amazing piece that I think even was released after she died. And she said, my biggest mistake was I didn't look after myself. And often leaders can do this. They can lead others, but they don't look after themselves. And so as a leader, I am making sure I'm looking after myself. That's really important. I do live in a, in a vulnerable time right now. Potentially, my business could be closed for six months. 
I, I hope it isn't, and I and I think I can innovate it in ways that can make us still earn an income through this time. Uh, our government has given, you know, backdrops in case that does happen, so I can get some government funding if that happens. So, but I think also one thing that's really important through this time is to trust myself. I trust in my ability. I trust my character traits. I know that I'm hardworking. I know I'm an honest person who brings value to other people's life. I know that I can problem solve. I know that I can also have um, discipline. So financially through this time, I can manage as well as I can because I've got really good discipline. These character traits are really important character traits at this time. And in this moment, I need to trust those as much as possible. I also trust that there will be an end to this moment. And I trust that once I get through this moment, I'll be able to rebuild my life in a way where I can get back to where I was before this moment and maybe even get further ahead of where I was at this moment. The other thing I'm also doing is looking at this as an opportunity. And not, not what I'm meaning here is an opportunity to make money, but if I have got more time because I'm not working, where can I use this to improve my business moving forward? Where can I do this to improve my piano playing? What's the opportunity that I can use in this time that instead of just sitting around watching Netflix all day, where I can use it in a really valuable way. So for me, these are the, how I'm managing it. I'm just sharing this with you because, you know, you can take from it what you want. But I think the most important thing is to really understand that your job is to manage this time. And some of the tools that Greg talked about today, some of the tools that I've used here, and more importantly, tools that you know have worked for you in the past are such an important thing right now. And to prioritize those tools, as I've talked about already in today's show, is a fundamental part of you getting through this time. There'll be some really powerful lessons you're going to learn from this time moving forward in your life. And, you're, and I guarantee, as long as the worst of this doesn't happen to you, you'll get through this time and you'll be able to learn some lessons that can make your life better. But right now, it's not about that. Right now, it's about surviving. And surviving in the wisest way possible. So, fingers crossed, you've got those tools in place. Well, not even fingers crossed. Put those tools in place. Consciously put them in place. And work towards creating a manageable way through this time. It's just such an important time. And lastly, don't be afraid to ask for help. Seriously. We all need help at times. It's, it's not a bad thing to do. It's actually a really important thing to do at this time. So those are just some tips that I'm adding on top of what Greg added early on. If you want to support the show, the Bevan James Isles show, I'm really proud of this show. Um, I'm really proud of the 10 years of work. I think it's been going for 10 years now. The 10 years the show's been going through, I've hopefully brought tools to people's life that can help them manage times like these really well. And that's something I'm really proud of. And, and the people who support the show, it means so much. If you want to support the show, and I get it, some people won't be able to right now. I totally get it. And if you can't, don't even think about it. You know, this show, supporting this show is the least important thing in many people's lives. But if you can, I really appreciate it. Go to bevanjamesisles.com. I also put a link to all of Greg's work in this week's show notes. So his books, his website, and so on. Um, yeah. Look after your people, look after yourself, and keep being you.